the hope that we're going to be chasing after, his name is Jesus. And why we need to chase after this is because our society and our culture these days tries to give us hope in all kinds of ways. And unless the hope is in Jesus, it's never going to live very long at all. And so what we're going to do is dive into what it looks like. Um, there's people constantly that I run into that are in good seasons of life or bad seasons of life. But even in good seasons of life, you need hope. And even in bad seasons of life, you need hope. Hope is a constant. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to take you guys back to a bookend of my story. And this bookend happened when everything was amazing in my life. It's good. It's okay to be in a good season of life. It's just fine. And I was in an amazing season of life the week that my very first record came out. 7.4 million views later. Everyone's buying my record. It seemed like I could do no wrong. Everything I was touching was turning to gold. Now, that's amazing when the Lord does that in your life. But the danger, the danger in seasons of blessing is when you begin to believe your own hype. When you believe that somehow you are responsible for your own blessing. Because let me tell you something. Scripture does not say every good and perfect gift comes from your hustle. Let me say that again. Scripture does not say every good and perfect gift comes from your hustle. And we live in a society and a culture right now that believes you got to hustle. You got to hustle. You got to do all this and that. I look in Scripture and I don't see hustle at all giving blessing to people. I see the Holy Spirit giving blessing to people. And so in Scripture, what it does say is every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Lord. And I was in this season where everything I was touching was turning to gold. I, I, I make my son cry, and I win a People's Choice Award. Like, what, what is happening? I mean, everything was working. Everything was clicking. And again, I started to be like, hey, maybe I can stand in light and dip my toe in darkness. Maybe I can stand in light, and, for, and then I would come over here in the darkness for maybe like three hours and come back. Hey, hey look, there's still blessing. Oh, maybe, maybe I can come over here for a day. Oh, hop back over here. Hey. Look, everything, everything's still okay. And the enemy began to whisper lies to me that if, if I just feel all this good stuff over here in darkness, if I just feel it, I can stay longer and there will be no repercussions. Sin has consequences. And my friends, my story went from light to stepping into darkness and in a matter of moments, the darkness that I stood in took everything from me. I'll never forget the day I walked out of my bedroom. I was with my kids in the back, and I went to look for my wife. She was in the front, and she was gone. And I noticed my laptop was gone. And I ran to the front door, and I looked out for the car, and the car was gone. And I knew in that moment that there is no dancing in darkness. Darkness took everything from me. And I ran back and I looked at my kids and I sat them down and with tears in my eyes, I said, I'm sorry. Daddy's made a mistake. Things are going to be different. And just then, a knock on my door. And my best friend, Blake Birkstrom, was standing there. And he said, Heather knows everything. It's over. 
She wants the kids. And you guys see how just in the blink of an eye, sin takes everything away. The enemy prowls around roaring like a lion to not to hurt you, to devour you, to destroy you. His goal is not to simply make you feel bad. It's to take everything away. And in that moment, because I was dancing in darkness and thought I could hop over to light in the darkness, everything went away. And for months, I didn't speak one word to my wife. It was over. The marriage was over. I was, I was going to have to learn to live a new way. And I tried, guys. I was, trying, I was praying as hard as I could. I was, I was reading all the books on how to stop sinning. I was listening to all the podcasts on how to stop sinning. But I couldn't stop sinning. Nothing seemed to be working. Because darkness touches us all. But here's the good news. Ready? In the darkest of dark moments, when I was laying, moved in with some friends, my family was gone, this verse came to me. 1 Peter 5.10. Here's the good news. Watch this. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. You got that? No matter where you're at, no matter how dark you feel right now, the God of all grace will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Now, it's amazing, right? That's an amazing verse. But dang it, the verse keeps going. There's more. And it says this. Now, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Oh, man. After you have suffered... There will be suffering. It's inevitable. There's going to be suffering in your life. But even better news is the verse doesn't stop there. There's more. There's two little words after you have suffered. What does it say? After you have suffered a little. A little. And when I read that, I realized God is going to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support me. And my suffering is not going to be long-lasting. It's only a little. And if you have been suffering for a long time, I believe if you step into some of the truths we're going to sit on today, your suffering is going to shrink. Amen? Amen. Let's shrink that suffering right now. Let's do that. This is what we're going to do. So, spoiler alert, the family that I lost, they're sitting right here because God restores. God restores and he will bring back, he will bring new things out of darkness. He will turn dark to light. And listen, it wasn't overnight. It wasn't as fast as just like, hey. I mean, we went to counseling. We went to therapy. And I believe that talk therapy and counseling can do good things. I'm a big believer in all of that. But let me tell you something. Talk therapy and counseling can maybe help you identify your spider, locate your spider. We're talking about spiders today. Corner your spider. But you can never kill your spider with just therapy. You need the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection in your life. That's what's going to give you freedom. It is. So I'm in talk therapy. I'm in counseling. I go to my friend Al. Um, he, he was my therapist. And he's like, Carlos, listen, I think you need to go to, um, in order to kind of get you over the hump, because my marriage is getting better, things were healing, but I think you need to go to seven days of experiential therapy outside of Nashville. And I was like, that sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> Who would want to go to seven days of therapy? But I found myself a few weeks later in my minivan with my kids, going to this place called Onsite. And as I'm there, 
um, I'm driving in the minivan. I think, oh, I should call my dad because my dad, my dad is a saint of a man, okay? His name is Fermin Agustin Whitaker. And Fer, I mean, he sounds as smart as he is. And Fermin, I call him, I talk to my dad all the time, and I'll say, I should call my dad and tell him that I'm going to, uh, to this place for seven days. So I call my dad, and he's like, Carlitos, because that's how you say my name. He goes, um, where are you going for the seven days? Because I was like, Dad, I'm not going to be able to talk to you. I was like, oh, Dad, I'm going to this place um, that, well, my therapist ke- tell, keeps telling me that I keep rubbing crap on my blessings. That's what he says. And you got to figure out why you're doing that. So, Dad, I'm going there to figure out why I'm rubbing crap on my blessings. And my dad goes, oh, Carlitos, I know why you rub crap on your blessings. <laughs> why did you wait 40 freaking years to tell me? Imagine my father now telling me the story. He goes, Carlitos. When I was in Panama, preaching my very first survival, I was 19 years old. And Mrs. Ramirez, during the invitation, she comes down the aisle. And I was thinking, yes, somebody is going to give their life to Jesus. And she comes forward and she goes, Pastor, can you please pray that the Lord would clean the cobwebs from my life? And I was like, well, that's an interesting prayer. So he said he prayed, dear Jesus, clean the cobwebs from Mrs. Ramirez's life. He said, Carlitos, night number two, Miss Ramirez came forward again. And I thought she was going to tell me, he did it. He cleaned the cobwebs from my life. But instead, Miss Ramirez goes, Pastor, can you pray harder that the Lord would clean the cobwebs from my life? My dad's like, it doesn't work like that. But I'll do it anyway. So he prayed a little bit harder. Jesus, ha! I pray you clean the cobwebs from Miss Ramirez's life. Just more fervor and gusto and he says the last night of the revival, Mr. Amidas comes forward again and goes, Pastor, can you pray one more time? The Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life. And my dad said, he looked her square in the eye and said, no, we've been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight we pray, he kills the spider. Tonight we pray, he kills the spider. And listen, in that second, he didn't have to say another thing. I didn't even need to go to therapy anymore. I knew in that moment that I was a professional cobweb cleaner. I have spent my entire adult life cleaning the cobwebs of sin in my life instead of getting to the root. And we do that. That, That's what our culture loves to do. Every infomercial, everything is about cleaning the cobwebs, right? You go to Barnes and Nobles, you go down the self-help aisle, it's mostly the cobweb aisle is what it is. Right? You're struggling with, with addictions. You're struggling with affairs. You're struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with these things. And you're trying to fix those things. You're trying to clean the cobwebs. But what we need to do is get past the symptoms and to the root and drive a freaking stake through the heart of that spider. That's where freedom's going to come from. So let's do this. I'm telling you, if you've been striving to clean your cobwebs, your hope is not going to be found in striving. Your hope is going to be found in surrender. And there's a big difference. We live in this hustle culture where we we want to fix our own problems. We want to strive. We want to strive and fix it. Not until you surrender everything to Jesus are you going to even remotely be able to step into killing your spider. So let's define, let's put some definition around what a spider is and a cobweb is. Okay, go with me now. A spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. Let me say that again. A spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. This 
This is the root of our behaviors. As you've been trying to change your behavior for years, you've been trying to change the behavior, you've been trying to sweep the cobwebs, you haven't been getting to the root. We all have them. So start, stop looking at your neighbor like, oh, what's your spider? We all have them. Every single person in here has a spider. Whether it be a massive, hairy, ugly lie you've made an agreement to, or just small ones on a daily basis. We all have them. That's what we have to get to. But that is way more difficult than finding your cobweb. Because let's be honest, this is the definition of a cobweb. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. Okay, let that sink in for a second. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to the lie. This sells. This is sexy. This is, in America, we, we, we want to just clean the cobwebs. Five steps to a better marriage. Cleaning the cobweb. Four steps to stop looking at pornography. Just cleaning the cobweb. You see, you can keep focusing on the symptoms or you can get to the root. And we don't have time to deal with cobwebs anymore. Guys, if you've been struggling trying to get past a certain behavior for so long, you've been dealing in cobweb land. But what we want to do is get to the spider. What are some really quickly common cobwebs, right? The ugly ones that people try to fix are alcohol, pornography, affairs. These are behaviors that are really ugly in society, and we try to fix those. But let's touch all of you. How about social media? How, how, about, how about that? Somehow you post a selfie of yourself, maybe from not, not here, but if you go 10 inches higher, you look even a little bit better. And then you post it online, and people start double-tapping that. Medication. 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 And it feels good, right? It's a cobweb. Oh, well, I'll just delete Instagram off my phone. No, that's cleaning the cobwebs. That's all that is. You haven't done nothing. You're still jacked. You're still messed up. How about, how about you, you hard workers, your hustlers? Oh, if I can just get to the corner office, build my way up in the company. Oh, then if I can just get there. No, that's just a cobweb. And the agreement you've made with the lie, what's the lie there? Well, that your identity is based on your achievements. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Your identity is based on being a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. That's the truth. You got to go from the lie to the truth, the lie to the truth, the lie to the truth. So if you don't know, it's going to be hard to find your spiders. I mean, it's going to take more work. You have to roll up your sleeves. But cobwebs, it's not difficult to find your cobweb. If you don't know what your cobweb is, Ask your family. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you. Like, it's those things that, that you're trying to medicate on a daily basis. But to get to the spider, and that's where we're going to go right now, it takes a little bit more work. So, in order for us to get to our spiders, we have to do something that sounds really simple, but if you haven't done it, it's going to take some work. you got to hear from God himself. You see, the Holy Spirit is what is going to reveal to you the agreement you've made with the lie. It's not going to be your therapist. It's not going to be your friends. It is God himself. Now, here's the thing. Some of you guys may be thinking, well, I've never heard God. Like, how, how do I hear him? He speaks to us on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute minute basis. So in order for us to get to this agreement, we've got to hear from God himself. So how do we do that? How, how can we hear from God? Well, you hear from God when you pay attention. Say, pay attention. Pay attention. You got to pay attention. All the time, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, but the volume of our life is so loud that that's why people can't hear God. 
We've got to lower the volume of life and the volume of God goes up. When you begin to do that, you start seeing Holy Spirit around you all the time. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. All the time. So we hear from God. We hear from God constantly when we pay attention. There's no coincidence when you're born again with Jesus. There's no coincidence. Everything is for a reason and for a purpose. Everything. He answers our specific questions. Friends, get specific to the penny. The Lord will answer. He's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to step in and just ask him a question. So the question today is, what's my spider? What's the agreement I made with the lie? Now listen, he will answer you through a song, through a friend, through scripture, his voice, whatever it may be. But once you get there, let me tell you, in my book, I talk about how to kill the spider. Killing the spider once you find it isn't hard. You confess the lie, bam. You reject the lie, bam. You replace that lie with God's truth. Spider dead. It's over. Boom. Gone. Done. Confess, reject, replace. Confess, reject, replace. It's over. The enemy doesn't even stand a chance. He always overplays his hand. Every single time. He does. He doesn't stand a chance. You get those three things, it's gone. But the question I get is, Carlos, how do I know it's dead? How do I know I've killed it? Oh, well, we've got incredible scripture that tells us. Watch this. This is how we know the spider dies. Romans 8, 6. For the mind set of the flesh is death, but the mind set of the spirit is life. Is there a period after life? Nope. But so many Christians live with a period after life. There is more. Life and what? And peace. Guys, we can't put the period where the period is not. There is more than just life. There is peace. There is more. There is abundance. There is victory. There is peace coming. When you get that, you're going to know your spider's death. John 10.10. A thief comes to seal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Is there a period after life? No. Life and have it in what? Abundance. Abundance. Friends, Jesus wants you to have so much more than you're living in right now. He wants you to not just have life. Jesus did not die on a cross so you can cope with your issues. If you're just coping right now, that's not what the cross is for. He came to die on a cross so you can be free and breathe and have abundance and have peace and have more. And all that stuff is waiting for you when you kill the spider. All of it.